good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. We're back. All right. Yes, sir. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. We got Beaver here. We got you here. We got the whole gang. So get them on in. You can comment on the live stream if you're watching there. Hey, to y'all. Type up a comment. Post it. I see it right here all in one column on the Murray West live thread. And uh, you put a comment in there. We can see it. For example, Jimmy who's watching on YouTube. He's on the Murray West live thread with Dennis Miller, Chevy Chase. By the way, do y'all say Ch- 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 Chevy Chase? Or do you say Chevy Chase? Which is it? Uh, Bill Murray, John Belushi, Nora Dunn, Phil Hartman, Norm MacDonald, Dana Carvey, Chris Rock, Rob Schneider, the list goes on and on. And Jimmy, you're right. And you span several casts, but that's the thing. It's like you start doing a top five, we're living in a generation now, us. Okay, we're the old guys <laughs> where we're, we're leaving off Bill Murray and Chevy Chase and, you know, Steve Martin. And unfortunately, like, sometimes we leave off Dana Carvey. And was, was Martin short on SNL? I don't know. Uh, we'll get to all that. Um, but just like that, leave a comment if you're on Facebook or on YouTube. We'll pop it up there. On the Murray West Live Thread. Go to murraywest.com. Contract embroidery company here in Mississippi. They'll embroider your logo on what you need. Like, for example, like this hat right here from Country Pleasing with that embroidered red hog on the front. Done right. So you can get stuff like that. Um, If you have your logo and you need it on stuff, custom apparel, whatever the case is, go to Murray West right here in Mississippi. They're the best at it. It's Murray, M-U-R-R-Y murraywest.com follow them on instagram if you haven't already at murray west official now listen inevitably we'll have somebody come along <laughs> who will say sports show that's a y'all are a sports show do sports and when that happens we'll pick on them And Beaver will do so in a baby voice. (laughs) Because the other day, somebody named Trip did that. And Beaver said, Twip is mad. (laughs) Okay, but we'll have fun with it. But we just got to continue this because it, you know, I don't even know how or why, but I popped up thinking about it, tweeted it last night, and here we go. And there's some pretty amazing things that have popped up in this conversation. We're going to continue that now with you and with Beaver regarding SNL. And thanks, Chuck. Chuck on the Murray West live thread said uh, Martin Short was on SNL during the 84-85 seasons. Okay, Beaver, we were we were in a, a thick conversation about this, and then the, the hour ended. So feel free to pick it back up, but I will tee you up with another thought on this, okay? Another thought on this. Amazingly, Ghost Pepper and Jason and Flagstaff are the first two people that in all of this feedback, including on social media, where I've seen David Spade mentioned. So he's kind of like Sandler. Like we talk about our top five SNL cast members. We don't nobody's throwing out Sandler and Spade, and they have to be in the conversation, I would think. 
And I left them off, too, because I didn't think of them. All right, pick it up. What do you think about those two guys? Spade, I, he wouldn't be in my top five, but okay. it was he was solid. I just still remember, and him and, you know, him and Eddie Murphy are actually linked because Spade, he had those really great where he was just kind of like in Tommy Boy when he told, when he was talking to them on the, the, uh, on the airplane. Yeah, you're right. And he just had that really like way of, <laughs> if you don't know how to do a, you know, a, a seatbelt, yeah. Tommy will hit you on the head with a tack hammer. <laughs> I rem- I just the one thing I remember most about Spade, one of these moments that I'm trying to explain, but I can't think of the word how to explain it was. He was on Weekend Update one time, and he's going through these he's going through these stories and whatnot, and a picture of Eddie Murphy popped up, and he just it was just a one liner. He just goes because it was it was an Eddie Murphy. Wasn't doing anything in his career. His career had gone down, way downhill. And the one line that David Spade drops, picture of Eddie Murphy, says, Look, Mommy, a fallen star. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, (laughs) that right there caused Eddie Murphy not to go back to SNL for years. You're kidding me. I'll drop drop a baby voice on him. His his egomaniac got him's ego hooked. He got his feelings hurt because David Spade made that joke, and wow. he just flat refused to go back for years. Oh, man, I didn't know that. All because of that one line where they said, look, I'm falling star? Yeah. Wow. Okay, let me give you a couple of other observations. For, for someone who's just tuned in, it's a sports show. we got sports coming up. Hang on. <laughs> but I, I got into I got in this YouTube sort of rabbit hole and it led me to think and I tweeted this last night my top five all time Saturday Night Live cast members number five Eddie Murphy number four Mike Myers very few people argue with that number three Will Ferrell number two Kristen Wiig I almost put her number one but I put Chris Farley at number one so as you can see I'm I'm not back in the Dan Aykroyd Belushi Bill Murray years and it was almost a little bit of a different kind of comedy sort of back then i'm an 80s 90s kid you know so maybe that's the deal and then the modern stuff like the more recent stuff i don't even have any attachment to it whatsoever other than maybe keenan thompson but so in all the feedback nobody even brings up adam sandler until you and then when you do bring him up every go oh yeah same thing with spade somebody i was either a tweet or a or a um text on the country please and text line somebody said how can you leave off chris rock but here's some names for you beaver with observations i'd like to get your response on this okay first name kevin nealon i think if i were making a an all-time underrated snl cast member list i'd probably have kevin nealon way up on the list of underrated number two rob schneider who i you know the Making copies, you know, that kid, and then all the characters he played. I thought he was very underrated, too. I liked him. To me, you said you couldn't stand Kristen Wiig. Like, the noise you made when I brought up her name, like, she must be like fingernails on a chalkboard to you. I thought she was hilarious and liked everything she did. For me, fingernails on a chalkboard, Chris Kattan. Do you remember Chris Kattan? (laughs) Oh, Chris Kattan. Yeah. 
played. Yeah. The, and, when, and like when he would do the skit when he was the monkey boy, I turned it off. I couldn't watch it. I could. I hated it. Was never a fan. And of course, he had the thing with. Um, wasn't he the one uh, that was in the skit with Will Ferrell where they were going out to the nightclub? What do you call it? And they even made a movie where they did Night the, at the Roxbury. That's it. Night at the Roxbury. I don't even know what you call that. Any thoughts on those? Chris Kattan, I liked my, specifically remember this monkey boy now that you speak of. He was just, he never spoke, obviously. He was just spitting apples everywhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> Chris Kattan I was good with. Definitely wouldn't be in my top ten. Okay. I was fine with him. You got my feelings on Kristen Wiig. Rob Schneider, he's just so known for making copies. All right. I I can't remember much else that sticks out from him though. Right. That's it. It doesn't really, he those he was more like of a supporting actor in just about everything he did on that show. Yeah. You know, if there was a group of guys in a skit, he was always in the group. <laughs> and really is more or less known for some roles like in the movie Waterboy and when he was in Home Alone Lost in New York, he was the the idiot, you know bellhop or whatever so yeah that's true okay so let me let me jump in here nick text the show country please and text sign nick says bro carvey and spade got to be on there white denzel went this is his top five one two three four five farley farrell john belushi eddie murphy dan Aykroyd. scott he texted in he said number one belushi two Aykroyd. Three, Jane Curtin, who I can't recall. Chris Farley, number five, Will Ferrell. We do leave off Phil Hartman, or I, I did anyway. Um, oh, yeah, St. Louis Vic. He said, yeah, Missouri's playing Memphis this weekend in St. Louis, and they're saying that Missouri's quarterback may be out for that game. Uh, I have to see how that goes. Uh, Turd Ferguson texts the show. One, two, three, four, five for him are Farley, Farrell, Carvey, Myers, Belushi. He's got Mike Myers in his top five. He said Adam Sandler was good, but his stuff, his best stuff was after SNL. Yeah. Oh, he's in my head. He's in my head because, yeah, his greatest contributions, he did some amazing stuff on SNL. Gap Girls, do you remember that one? Oh, yeah, I do. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought you were on a diet. <laughs> Christopher, lay off me, I'm starving. I'm starving. <laughs> Can, you remember Canteen Boy? Mm-hmm. Can, Canteen Boy yeah. actually became the water boy. Became the water boy. When I saw the Canteen Boy like segment on a YouTube video, that's when I it hit me, hey, that was his that's his water boy character. That's where that came from. Same voice yeah. and everything. But to Turd's point, he's in my head because Yes, the greatest things I still think Sandler has ever done came movie-wise. Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy. That trio was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it was. Kind of like the same same supporting actors. Like he had all his friends who played roles in those movies. Uh, for sure. All right, let's head over to the phone line, Divinity Equipment phone line. Brando, he's in on line one. What's up, Brando? Coming in hot, coming in hot, man. How are you? Great. Good to hear from you. What's up? Look, I'm going to throw out two, and, and I've been in and out, so I don't know 
if y'all mentioned these, but underrated Fred Armisen. Okay, yeah. Uh, the funniest guy to me, not on Saturday Night Live, but if you go down wormholes on YouTube, one of the most underrated to me far as just delivery and you just watch him on on david letterman was norm mcdonald yeah that dude was funny oh look if you just check out hey his best his his, norm mcdonald's best stuff it seems like was as a guest on late night television on conan and and on the other and letterman and the other shows that was like his I best mean, he could deliver some of the most stupid jokes, but his delivery was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'll let you guys know. Right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, we don't talk about Norm MacDonald. Like, he's not necessarily like associated, even though he was really good at Weekend Update and he was always picking on the same people, right? Like, his, apparently the big stink with Norm MacDonald and SNL was the fact that he just kept on picking on OJ. Like he just would not let it rest, and and maybe rightfully so. Uh, Tim text in, country please and text line. Belushi, Chevy, Lorraine Newman, Gilda Radner, Kevin Nealon, guy who did the weather, Jan Hooks, Dana Carvey, Bill Murray. We got some more Hartman, uh, Spade and Chase, Belushi. You got to go back. You get those guys in there. J Rock says, "I also like Jim Carrey doing the fire marshal skit. That was not SNL. That was he, he did the fire marshal skit on what was that? In Living Color. That's what that was. I'm pretty sure. Go back and look that up. I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Got one for Jan Hooks. Scott says, wasn't Dan Aykroyd on SNL? I believe he was initially. Like as far as how long? Now, help me out here, Beaver." On the country pleasing text line, Beaver, Big Enos Burdett is saying Jimmy Fallon. So Fallon was on SNL? Yeah, yeah. Fallon was on SNL. I I liked him on SNL. Yeah. I thought he was good, but the problem with him, he it's it seemed like every other sketch, he would just start laughing. Yeah. I mean he was just breaking character. Constantly, constantly, yeah. He I know that happens on SNL, <laughs> and I I understand it would be hard not to, but oh, yeah. I mean it was all the time with yeah. him. Okay, somebody said John Lovitz. I used to love John Lovitz on there. Thought he was really yeah. funny. Um, I'd put him in there with Neilan as, and it was the same time frame as some of the more underrated. It's just that was a really good time for it. Now, Possum in a Gum Bush brings up an excellent point. Matt, how do you know any of this? I thought you went to bed at nine. Well, the truth is I do now. Okay, I didn't always. <laughs> and maybe that's why my like if I'm doing a list, it's gonna reflect the years that I watched it, right? Like probably in the last ten I hadn't watched a whole lot other than, than Wig. Uh <laughs> Turd Ferguson said Fallon was uh, Jimmy Fallon was trash on SNL. Well anyway, there's your list. I would say, you know, uh, my list would stay the same. Farrell 1, Wig 2, I'm sorry, Farley 1, Wig 2, Farrell 3, Mike Myers 4, Eddie Murphy 5. That's my top five list. Now, a very, well, let me pick that back. 
a famous person. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Because when you get a text, you don't know if they want this to be out there or not. <laughs> but a famous person, <laughs> a relatively famous person, texted me last night when I put that out on Twitter and said, I cannot believe you have Chris Farley ahead of every Eddie Murphy on that list. So there's that also. The other follow-up observations of this are that seem to continually pop up, either your comments and feedback or it's just obvious. Number one, this depends on your age. Number two, nobody mentions Adam Sandler. Nobody. Number three, I almost had Kristen Wiig, number one. And number four, nobody has brought up anybody modern other than Kenan Thompson. Beaver, that's the last thing I'd like for you to kind of just take that and consume that, and maybe you have a take on that. Okay, but I'm talking out of, you know, Twitter audience, and there's, and I got a following there, and it kind of spans or whatever. It's on this show, text line, everything else, maybe it's a reflection of the audience. But you have this discussion. Nobody mentions anybody modern other than Kenan Thompson. Have you noticed that? Yeah, because I think most people would agree that it is a bunch of nonsense these days. I mean, the last time I start, the last time I really watched it on a regular basis, I think it was 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. But I would check in around, you know, 16, 17, 18. I've watched a few episodes, but. Yeah. That's when everything started turning political. We made all our jokes political. Right. We made half the show seeming all half the sketches were political. And so that did nothing for me. And I think a lot of people probably agree. Yeah. I, I so that's agree why that's why yeah, not a lot of current love. Not a lot of current love for sure. And what a great take too, and I'll wrap it up with this. What a great take by Jimmy on the Murray West live thread. Victoria Jackson and Molly Shannon were two f of the funniest women. There's no question about it. I mean, and Victoria, well, they both, you know, had careers afterwards. Molly Shannon, she goes on the very underrated list as far as I'm concerned. Oh, spe specifically, though, Matt, now that I think about that statement that it went political. Now, I mean, as far as writers seems to want to shove their own political beliefs into the sketch. Like like back in the day, okay, 90s, Phil Hartman did Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. Daryl Hammond did Bill Clinton. Will Ferrell did George Bush. Those were funny, but the writers weren't cramming their own political beliefs in it. That's it right. was just making fun of everybody. Right. But what they do now is you can tell this writer, oh, well, they hate this guy because they're really hammering home this in this sketch. Right very biased yeah that's right no no it's no question brian says on the text line that people don't realize that chris farley adam sandler and norm mcdonald were all fired from snl i knew mcdonald was i did not i didn't know farley and sandler were fired from snl like, why would they have been fired i don't know about that i'm gonna need to see some research on that <laughs> truth on sandler hey really okay i can't I honestly can't remember the reason, 
But I do remember he was fired. I got to look that up. Yeah, look it up. I had no idea. Farley, I, didn't, I mean, like, why would you, what would have had to have happened? Or was it just one of these things of, hey, I've got a career, I'm under contract, so I'm not coming in, you have to fire me. You know, because I'm going to make movies or something. I don't know. Jason in Flagstaff says the show now is garbage and he watches the weekend update segment on YouTube. <laughs> See, in like, the social media great? Like, we don't have to watch anything we don't want to. Turd Ferguson says that he, he thought that Farley was fired due to drugs. Okay. Well, maybe he was. I don't, I don't know again. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, I would say, like, if somebody said, what do you remember about Dan Aykroyd on Saturday Night Live, I definitely would say the same thing as Old Tackle. He's over here on the Murray West Live thread on YouTube, and he said, uh, few things have been as funny as Dan Aykroyd's Bassomatic. And if you remember that, it was basically just taking fish and putting them in a blender. That's all it was on the Bassomatic. Bassomatic. It was a little more the the... <laughs> what the uh, the threads the comedy threads were a little more rudimentary and <laughs> back then and then it became a little more cheeky in the 90s with Myers and that bunch and bombastic with Farley good stuff sports next that's a promise stick around Ready to talk sports the Mississippi way with you. So get in on the conversation and tell him what you think. Back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Go! With the home team, something to put on your radar. Now, I'm not going to go through some big preview of this right now because I, I don't think... Well, I just don't think it warrants it. I don't think you're that interested in it. And that goes for all of us. Even though even though this is something that is going to have a major effect on all of us as fans of college sports, I still don't think it's something you want to hear a whole lot about right now. But you need to be aware of it. Same as me. You need to be aware. It's it's here's the time frame it's about to happen. This big, humongous, important court case called House versus NCAA. Now, it's called the House Antitrust Deal. It's all about um, National Labor Relations Board and benefits for players and, and players making money and players, in, well, players, athletes in college being paid and the ability to make money and stipulations and the ability for the NCAA to rule on that kind of stuff under this proposed amateurism and student-athlete everything. We've seen all that stuff. Here's what you need to know. This is happening on Thursday. Okay? Just know that. Today's Tuesday. This is going to happen on Thursday. It's in a Northern California courtroom. The motion hearing 
in the federal antitrust lawsuit called House versus NCAA. This is the next step. Enormous, enormous implications for, first of all, the NCAA as a governing body, like the ability to do what they've been doing, for so to speak. It's huge for them, as well as kind of the broader just college sports em- empire or enterprise or whatever you want to call it. The people who are directly involved in this, a former Arizona State swimmer, a former Illinois football player, a former TCU basketball player, they're not just looking for back pay, name, image, and likeness back pay going all the way back to 2016. Okay. Also looking for a slice of the multi-billion dollar broadcast revenue pie. Most important part, they say, they have formally requested, now, y'all in the legal profession will understand this, they've formally requested class certification, which really ups the ante for the NCAA. And and what this means is, this decision by this U.S. District Judge, her name's Claudia Wilkin, the decision on the case's class action status is going to determine whether just a few plaintiffs, these people I just mentioned to you, or thousands of athletes could potentially receive damages. Damages in the form of NIL money they could have made, but they weren't allowed to make going back to 2016. Does that make sense? So as I see it, and then I'll just throw this out there and then we'll turn it loose. So on Thursday, as I see it, she's making several decisions. One, name, image, and likeness, back pay for these former athletes in the suit. Arizona State swimmer, Illinois football player, TCU basketball player, on and on. Revenue sharing for them, but also, depending on how she classifies this thing, If she decides it one way, it will be not just for those athletes, but for like tens of thousands of athletes going around the entire country, going all the way back to 2016. You can read about it, but as I see it, again, the math adds, if she does that last part, the latter, you're talking about billions of dollars with a B. That these conferences and these schools are going to turn around and shell out to all these people that played sports for them going all the way back to 2016. And it's happening at the same time that you're going to get decisions on revenue sharing, legal, a legal decision that will set a precedent on revenue sharing and open up the floodgates, just open it up for... Athletes to be employees, to be pros. And then my questions then flip inverse. Then you start going, well, do they have to go to school? Do they have to be students enrolled at State and Ole Miss? Or can they just be pros and play ball? That's what's going on today. I mean, I mean Thursday. That's what they're going to decide on Thursday, okay? So it's a big deal. Potentially a big deal. Oh, by the way, 
this same judge has already ruled against the NCAA in other stuff. <laughs> so what direction do you think it's going to go? Now, Sven says on the Murray West live thread, there is no way they win this case, and here's why. The NCAA and the ESPN want their dollars, and they will take care of that. Yeah, we're going to find out who has the power. They'll get theirs one way or the other. It's just a matter of where's all that other money going towards. And if this happens and those dominoes start to fall, I'm just telling you, all across the country, you will kiss goodbye to track and field teams and athletes, to golf teams and athletes. In some cases, soccer teams and athletes and volleyball and swimming and equestrian. You'll kiss it all goodbye if these dominoes start falling. All right, football, though, we're going to play it this weekend. What did the coaches say? Yesterday and today, a lot of it yesterday was press conference day. Big one in Tuscaloosa, top 10 tussle in Tuscaloosa. Well, it's not top 10. It's more like top 15, but, you know, I wanted to say that. I wanted to say top 10 tussle in Tuscaloosa. Hat tip, my good friend Will Colmeyer. A top 10 tussle in Tuscaloosa. Here is Lane Kiffin with his favorite Nick Saban story. I don't know. I'm so we got so much work to do on this game. Um, uh, I don't know. That one's well documented. Um, I just really respect him so much, and I think as you, you know, continue to mature, grow, and get older, um, and as a head coach, you know, you you realize how much a head coach has to deal with. Even though I'd been one before, and all the the issues with players and coaches and then, you know, to be at the top as long as he, he was and see how consistent he was and we'd have games, we'd blow people out. And that's him. I mean, Western Kentucky, we're blowing him out and he's losing his mind on me like, you know, we're losing to Auburn or something. So that, that that's him and that's why he's so good because he's so consistent. Well, how does Nick feel about Lane? Vice versa here. No, I, I think they're outstanding obviously what they fourth in the country or something in total offense and scoring you know 52 points a game and 526 yards so this is a and you know lane's an offensive guy did a great job when he was here and he's done a great job there and the players do a great job of executing which is always a good sign of you know a well-coached team and uh, I, I think he's done a fantastic job there more on them in a bit. Here's Zach Arnett, Mississippi State, getting ready for South Carolina. But yesterday was looking back on what happened against LSU. Was it scheme? Was it lack of execution? Oh, I think anytime you look at the course of a game, you got 180 plays, right? You're going to have plays where you're going to have plays where on each side of the ball, well, eh, you know, wish I had a different call on in that, you know, in that down and distance. So they were in man coverage and, oh, shoot, should have been, wish I would have been in zone there or, or vice versa. Um, but there are certainly a number of plays where we don't execute either, and so you don't give you don't give a, the call a chance. Make a good call, don't execute it. Call doesn't matter. <laughs> Sometimes you execute the call, and the call should have been better. Which is it? Got to get it all figured out. Got to make plays, make things work. Get fast guys who hit and tackle, and sometimes it doesn't matter if you mess it up. Just make plays. <laughs> but you got to make plays within the scheme. 
What about what do you say about Mike Wright and his use in the offense? Yeah, Mike did a nice job. You know that last touchdown. Uh, you called an RPO, right? They overloaded, pressured, and he was able to pull it, get around, get around the edge pressure, and then dump it off to Harmon for a, a walk-in touchdown. Um, I'm sure there's some mis-execution on on their end too, right? They're saying the same thing, but when he got his opportunities, he was good, and uh, that's the kind of guy Mike is. And obviously, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. And so, you know, we're always going to have a a, a package for Mike. Yeah, always going to have a package for him. You know terms of game plan and that sort of thing and listen how many plays he played the other day right around five some of y'all may know that number exactly you know i haven't gone back and counted it up or anything like that but let's just say i I, you know i feel comfortable saying it's probably around five plays or so was it more than that at any rate if you're in that 5 to 10 range in terms of number of plays for Mike Wright in a ball game, in a game where you run only 50 plays, well, if you have a normal offensive game where you get some first downs and you're competitive and that play chart runs on up there around 70 to 75 plays, well, naturally, he's going to be used a little more. And so his number of snaps will go up too. So it's just a ratio thing, I think, right now in terms of how you see him and how often unless they decide to ramp that up for some reason. All right, we come back. More from those coaches, a little bit more with Beaver and you and me and all of us here in the Bureau. Stick around. crave your sport. It's often difficult to satisfy that special hunger. Not here, because you've got Matt Wyatt. Oh, I am starving. Don't worry, he's got a menu full. Back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, Jimmy on the Murray West live thread says Kevin Barbet actually thanked the media for going easy on him when his press questioning was over. He says, I think he thought he was actually going to get some serious questions. Well, and in that in that interesting, right? Because, you know, this is Kevin's first go-round as a Power Five coordinator. And, you know, he's not breaking himself in uh in the in the pack or in the ACC. You know, he, he's he's breaking himself in in the SEC where it's a I'm sure the understanding is that, man, people are going to be hard on me here, right? And, yeah, they they are. But, you know, in terms of media to your face, no. I mean, in that regard, this is not uh, New York, right? This is not New York sports or whatever. This guy's going to be pretty cordial, I guess, to his face. But and, – and I will say this, like – I would hope that media members, writers, you know, radio, podcasts, writers, coverage, whatever it is they do, TV, if they're going to be super critical and almost heated, you know, in, in criticizing individuals, you'd hope they'd have the guts to go and take that same tone in there with them 
face-to-face. Now, if you're going to do it out here without them, where you, you don't see them and maybe you're wondering if they hear you or not, go ahead and take that same tone in there when you're meeting with them face-to-face. You'd hope they have the guts to do that. But generally, guts and media aren't something you always put together. And, Jimmy, you're right. I mean, and see, coaches look at it that way. That's the thing about it. I mean, coaches, you'd be surprised. They, they talk to each other and get after each other a whole lot worse than the media is ever going to. They can handle it just fine. It ain't really going to bother him that much. And Jimmy said no need to be cordial results are what they are. I mean, after a game like that, you think coaches are cordial to each other? Doubt it. You think coaches are cordial to all their players during a game like that? Uh no, no, sir, would be the answer there. Uh, a couple of comments, and then I'm coming to something else here. Um, Lane Kiffin got a question. He had said earlier in the week he, he watched Alabama and he felt like somebody else was calling their defense other than their defensive coordinator. Here's a follow-up. Lane, what did you see um, on film that led you to make the comment last night about Coach Robinson coaching their defense? Um, that was – Again, I was asked the question what it was like going against Steele's defense, so I wasn't really trying to start this big thing. Um, we saw things on TV copy just where it was different, you know, of first off of what the play looked like, the calls and stuff, and then so we looked into that further, and then, I mean, it ain't no secret. We kind of, people in these buildings know each other, so obviously got some information that way too. So, you know, it just is what it is, kind of like the quarterbacks. You know, you had to prepare for a different quarterback for a different play caller, so we got a game film of that. I'm not sure whatever transpired after Texas, but um, we're going to have our hands full no matter what. And then uh, Saban commented at his, no, Kevin Steele's a defensive coordinator, that whole thing. Um, so there's that. Now let's head back over here into the Home Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, where Beaver is patiently pushing buttons and making the show go. Hello, Beaver. Hey, Matt Wyatt. Time for another edition of Overrated or Underrated. And you've had no chance to preview any of these. <laughs> so don't feel as though you're obligated to answer in any way. I just thought I'd bounce them off of you, okay? All right. So let's let's go. Here's the first one. And we'll see. We will we'll just have to see where this goes. All right, first up, on this day back in nineteen ninety-two, the pilot episode of this TV show aired. He was a cop and good at his job, but he committed the ultimate sin and testified against other cops gone bad. <laughs> cops that tried to kill him, but got the woman he loved instead. Framed for murder, now he prowls the badlands, an outlaw hunting outlaws, a bounty hunter. A renegade. Ah, yes. Renegade. He's getting all those bad guys out in the Badlands. You hear that, Beaver? I didn't know the Badlands had all them bad guys in it. All right, what'd you think about Renegade? You know, you've actually played this theme song before. Yeah. And I'll say the same thing I did back when we weren't playing this game. You just played that theme song, but I never saw it. <laughs> so I, I don't guess I can really have an opinion. That's right. Okay, so we we got we're gonna do a pass or a push on that one. Next up, 
two years later, uh, on this day, September the 19th, 1994, NBC began airing this television show. Now, now, first of all, I would never recognize the theme music. Beaver, do you recognize it at all? No, I don't think so. Okay, this is ER. Oh. Okay, this is ER. So ER debuted on this day in 1994. Any thumbs up, thumbs down, underrated, overrated on ER? Or appropriately rated? I never... I mean, I watched it because I remember way back, because it was tied in with the must-see TV Thursday nights with Seinfeld. Yeah. Seinf- it was Friends, Mad About You, Seinfeld, and then ER, Right. If I remember right. Yeah. And at the very beginning, like the first like two seasons, I used to watch Friends, because I premiered in 94, so 94, 95, yeah. I watched Friends, so... I stuck around a little bit for ER. I wasn't a big fan, but it was massive, and it gave us the clones. <laughs> so I think it was appropriately rated. It was okay. a it was a big thing there for a while. Okay, appropriately rated. All right. Well, that was this day, ninety four, September nineteenth, nineteen ninety four, The same exact day that ER debuted. The same day. That night, the one hundredth episode of this show. Hit the air. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air with Will Smith. 100th episode. Uh, Overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. What do you think? Extremely appropriate related. (laughs) Appropriately rated. Because it was huge. A lot of people watched it. And... Very appropriate. I loved Fresh Prince. Now, the new version of Fresh Prince, you get that out of my face. <laughs> but, yeah, Fresh Prince back in the day, I liked it. Yeah. So, not just, I don't like it, it's, get it out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Black, Nacho Libre, get that corn out of my face. <laughs> Emphatically. Now, here's a show, it's much more recent, and I don't, I'll be interested to hear if you know if you've seen it or watched it because I, I don't know. But on this day, September the nineteenth, two thousand and five. Okay, two thousand five. The pilot episode of this show aired. It is how I met your mother. Any yes, no, watched it, didn't? What do you think? You know, I didn't watch a ton of it, but the little bit I saw, it was good. Okay. Jason's an unknown Jason Siegel. It was good. I liked Neil Patrick Harris's character, Barney. Yeah. He was funny. Yeah. Allison Hannigan, I still liked her from American Pie. So yeah, I I liked that one. Appropriately rated. Okay. So we didn't get of these shows that you recognize. You you thought they were all kind of right where they should be. Both e well all three er. Fresh Prince, and How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Uh, Denzel weighed in on the Country Pleasing text line. He said, Renegade was overrated. Theme song, underrated. See, theme song was actually pretty good. ER, he says, was underrated. Fresh Prince was appropriate, according to him. He says, theme song for that show, top ten all time. And then he says, How I Met Your Mother is massively underrated. 
And, you know, that I wonder if you feel that way, Denzel, just because of its time frame. Came along in 05, and it's kind of like that started to be the time frame where everything was, you know, trending towards YouTube and on demand, and it's less appointment viewing for shows. And so numbers went down, and therefore budgets went down, and therefore the product sort of began to, I don't know, slip. There were other ones on this list, some from way back, like back in 1970 on this day in 70, the first episode of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Uh, on this day in 72, the 100th episode of Hawaii Five-0, and we talked about that one. Here's something I wish I could see. I'm sure I could find it. On this day in 81, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel recorded the concert in Central Park for an HBO special. And they did record that live in New York's Central Park. All right, that'll wrap it up for today. Boy, did we ever cover some ground. That was fun for all of us here on the show. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. For Beaver, I'm Matt. We'll see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. See you then. Another load of smart pills has been distributed, and I'm slap worn out. So I'll just say, so long, neighbors. Get me out of here, person.